This morning's reading comes from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, which can be found on page 1612 of the Church Bible. The Parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil, and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour? to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Mo. Let's pray, shall we, as we think about that together. Lord Jesus, it's a story you told that I, and I'm sure we, have heard many times. And so we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and take these words and give us a fresh insight, a fresh encouragement, a fresh challenge, Lord, to be able to love more and more as you've loved us. We ask it in your name. Amen. I wonder if you have any enemies I hope not. Feels like something more out of a movie plot than life in 21st century West Sussex, doesn't it? You know the kind of thing? Retired CIA operative trying to live out a quiet life and enemies from the past burst in and kidnap their spouse or their child or their 
gerbil or whatever it is that's going to get them back for those years of putting them away. Somehow it doesn't feel like most of the time we live with enemies. But is that how I see things? Or is that how Jesus sees things? What about the people that we just don't really get on with? What about the people that we find really hard? What about the people that we just try to avoid rather than choose to spend our time with? Actually, I think I, and probably we, need to face up to the reality that the love that Jesus calls us to is so bigger, so much bigger and all-encompassing than the rather shallow kind of love that I try to excuse myself with. And so I'm going to invite you with me this morning to allow Jesus to speak to us through this encounter, just as he spoke to that teacher of the law. And that encounter that they had really revolves around two questions. Two questions put to Jesus, from which we get an answer to what Mike alluded to earlier. How do we give up having enemies? Well, the first question, though, that this man asks Jesus is one that's often asked throughout human history in all sorts of different religions and belief systems in various forms. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And most religion is trying to find the answer to that question in one form or another. What must I do? And of course, that's what we're used to in life. We're used to doing things in order to get something. So I do hand over my money and I get shopping in return. I do well in my exams and I get a good grade or I go to uni or I get a job. Even the secular world's view of gifts actually is still along those lines, do and get. Have you been a good boy this year, Tom? Then you'll get presents from Father Christmas. I mean, Father Christmas, terribly inconsistent anyway, as well as being a legalist, because everyone gets the presents, no matter what they've done, really. But we're conditioned to expect do and get. And so no wonder this lawyer and so many humans before and since have asked in one way or another, what is it that I must do? And Jesus says to him, do this and live. He asks him, what is the law? He summarises it. And Jesus says, well, if you do this, you will live. And maybe if this man could perfectly keep everything that God required for a pure and perfect holiness, then he would get eternal life. But the problem is, no one can. The Bible is so clear that all of us have fallen short of God's glory. None of us earn our way into God's good books. The only person who has perfectly kept God's law is Jesus himself. It's just too much for us with our fallen hearts. And actually, the man himself realises this. Luke tells us that he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to sort of make himself feel right about it. So he tries to limit down the extent of what God's asking him to do. If he could just sort of bring the conditions in a bit, then maybe he could pass through. So he asks that question, well, then who is my neighbour? I, mean, I can't, <laughs> Jesus, you can't really be asking me to love everybody. So give me a smaller subset. Give me the kind of people that, that I can love. And I'll tell you what, I'll try and do that. It's almost like he's saying to God, do you know what? Meet me halfway. 
But there is no halfway in holiness. He's trying to set his own parameters. And how often is our response to God along similar lines? It's a yes, God, but it's a yes, God, but. Yes, God, if. And that's exactly what this man is doing. Yes, God, but. Yes, God, if. Who is my neighbour? Please, make it people like me. And so he asked the second question to Jesus, that same question, who is my neighbour? And that's really what I want to focus on this morning for the next few minutes. It's why Jesus chooses the Samaritan in the story. Because the answer that Jesus gives is shocking and hard. That the neighbour that we're called to love is the very people that we find it hardest to do. I'm sure you know the story. So I want to focus particularly on that question of why Jesus chose a Samaritan. Now, you may know, the Samaritans were from a different group. They had uh, their origin back in the same religion as uh, the Jews. Uh, And I, I went back to make sure this was right, not just my opinion. So someone with lots of letters after their name has written this in the Lexham Bible Dictionary. Samaritans believed they were the true descendants of Israel and keepers of the Torah. And during the time of the New Testament, their chief religious site was Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem. The Samaritans believed that the Jerusalem temple and the priesthood were illegitimate. So you can imagine the source of tension there between these groups in a very religious culture perhaps made even worse by the fact that their origins actually come spurring from the same point. So there's some things that they agree on, but they've gone down different paths. And we know that in our world today as well. You don't need me to give you examples of where religious tension has led to very strong feelings of enmity and often violence between different groups. Jesus chose the Samaritan in his story precisely because it was someone different to this man who asked him the question, someone who he would find it very difficult to love. And I think we need to be aware of that in our lives as well. We should have spiritual ears as we listen to the discourse that goes on around us. I feel like increasingly if you tune into American politics particularly, you hear a very us and them type of discussion from both sides. Let's avoid it. Let's not fall into the trap of labelling others in order to create us and them about everything. One group that's right in, in everything and one group that's wrong. Let's have a far more rounded and gracious view even of those people who are different to us. doesn't mean we can't disagree but it does come to how, in our heart, we feel about them. Jesus chose a Samaritan precisely because he was different to the man who asked the question. And secondly, not only was he different, but as I mentioned, there was a real animosity between these two groups. Hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans had increased over the previous decades. Uh, The previous ruler and high priest had shown the most overt Jewish hostility to the Samaritans when they destroyed Sheshem about 150 years before Jesus was speaking. And the Samaritans, like other groups outside, reacted against the centralisation of their religion in Jerusalem. 
and the Samaritans themselves also caused problems during the Jewish Passover festivities just a few decades before. So there's this long history of animosity between the two groups. It's not just that they're different, but they've actually really had a history of falling out and and really quite hating each other, hurting each other at times. Jesus chose the Samaritan not only because he was different, but because he knew that there was enmity between that group and the one represented by the teacher of the Jewish law. And then thirdly, I think this is a very interesting aspect of the story. The road that Jesus describes going down from Jerusalem was a very dangerous road. And it was probably unwise of the man who was attacked to travel there on his own. And it was certainly unwise of the Samaritan to stop and care for him and take his time to look after him. And I think that can say something to us about when Jesus calls us to love our enemies, it includes loving those people who've made bad choices, who haven't really helped themselves. And I think this is one of the hardest parts of applying this story to our hearts. It's one thing to try and love people who are different. It's one thing to say, yes, God, I know I need to pray for forgiveness and pray for restoration with this person where we've fallen out. I think it's really, really hard to keep on loving people who keep on making bad decisions, bad choices. When you just think, why on earth have you done that? That's when it's really hard to keep on loving. And yet here we have someone making a bad choice who's loved by someone who takes a risk in order to help them. And this Samaritan in Jesus' story really loved didn't offer thoughts and prayers and carry on by, but stopped, gave of himself, and made sure that the person wasn't only safe, but restored, and their debt was paid. And that really brings us back to the answer of how can we love like this? The what is laid out for us there by Jesus. Uh, To give up our enemies, we need to love them. But how do we do that? It's really hard. And I think it comes back to seeing that hidden in this story is a picture. There's a picture in there for me of how Jesus loves me. I've made bad choices. I keep on doing things that God has called me not to do and not doing those things that he has called me to do. The Bible even says that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Such was his love. I'm in that story. And Jesus has shown me and shown you a love that's even greater than that of the Good Samaritan. That he loved us so much not only just to risk his safety but to knowingly go to the cross as we're going to celebrate again later on in this service he did it even when we were estranged from him different from him had enmity between us and had made bad choices just like the person in Jesus' story he loved us anyway he still loves us anyway he loves me now 
even knowing all the terrible choices I'm still yet to make over how many days God's given me on this earth. Such is his love and his grace. And I think the answer to how we meant to love our enemies comes from knowing the extent to which Jesus has loved us. The more and more we can receive and appreciate and wonder at this love that God has shown to us, the more that will overflow in our hearts to be able to love others miraculously, sacrificially, powerfully. I said at the beginning, hopefully we don't really feel like we have enemies. And again, if we set our own parameters, then we probably don't particularly. I don't know anyone, I think, who's going to break into the vicarage to try and steal my gerbil. I haven't even got one. But God's call to give up our enemies, actually, is to love everyone. Especially the people we find it hardest to love. The people we avoid. The people we talk about behind their backs. The people that we think, oh, I wish so-and-so was listening to this talk and then they might change their attitude. But the question, of course, for all of us is, where do I need God at work in my heart? How can I love Jesus' love for me even more that I more and more love like he did? How can I enjoy Jesus' love so much that I can't help but overflow that love to the people that in my own strength I cannot love, but in his strength I can love with this extraordinary spiritual love, a gift of love that we can share. We give up on our enemies and we give up on God's power to change them. We give up our enemies by lifting them up to him in prayer. So let's do that right now. Lord Jesus, I know that in my own heart, in my own strength, in my energies and my attitudes, without you there at work, Lord, I know that I would have to bring the circle of neighbours that I could love very, very small. But Lord, I believe that your Holy Spirit can give us the gift of love like yours that extended out to a whole world of people, including those who turned their back on you, denied your very existence, and yet you came to love us, to die for us. Lord, would we have such a deep well of your love within us that when we find it hard to love someone, we can draw deeply from that source and not our own. Would you pour your love for us into us so that we overflow with that same love to others? Lord, would you help us to give up our enemies by being able to lift everyone, even the people we find hardest to you in prayer. And to love as we have been loved. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.